You are listening to audio from Community Bible Church of Savannah. If you would like to find out more information about our church, please visit us at cbcsavannah.com. I'll start with this, this quick proverb. Proverbs 16, 9, some of you know, it says, The heart of man plans his ways, but the Lord establishes his steps. And we've tried to, over the last couple of years, be better planners of things, uh, especially when it comes to series. So originally, um, today, we were supposed to start a new series. Like two weeks ago, we were supposed to finish up our series, A Better Way. And then uh, Anthony was going to come in, Lee was going to come in and preach last week. And we start a four-week series that take us through Thanksgiving and then into Advent. We're singing Christmas carols. And we kind of had this plan, but as has been the norm the last couple of years, there's a hurricane, Right? So we planned our ways, um, and so we had like a 20-mile breeze one Sunday morning, and so we said, hey, everyone, we're just going to do one service, because we don't want you driving in 20-mile-an-hour breezes, right? So, um, but we ended up having to kind of bump things and move things and all these things, and, and at first, we're like, what are we going to do? Now we only have two weeks, and we can't do a two-week series, but really, we were planning our ways, but the Lord was establishing His steps, because what it did is it freed us up the last couple weeks to just kind of do new things, and we, and we kind of taken this three-week period, and we've talked about what it means to really be the church in just different areas, and, and the areas that we've talked about are actually areas that the church has traditionally struggled with, so week one, we talked about influence and impact, right? The church is to be salt and light. Church is not often salt and light, right? And so that was big. Uh, last week, we talked about unity, and so uh, Lee came in with Beulah Baptist, and we got to, to celebrate, and we got to hug each other, and we got to love on each other, and we celebrate the oneness we have despite different back- backgrounds and cultural backgrounds and all these things. We celebrated that, right? The church have had some issues with that, right, in the last century, last 2,000 years. Today, we are going to talk about something that I think the church really struggles with, and that is celebration. Right, because here's the thing, if you ask most people in the world, uh, you know, do they associate Christianity with joy, church with joy, the answer is going to be no. No, it's not. That. And that is sad to me. It's, it's sad that when you think of Christian, you think grumpy. And some of you are still there, right? And I, that's okay. You got to have some time to get out. You turn that frown upside down, right? Isn't that Chuck E. Cheese or something, right? You, it takes time to get that. But when the world associates Christianity with grumpiness, there's something broken about that. We are supposed to be a people who celebrate. In fact, the Old Testament. There's a book in the Old Testament. It's called Leviticus. Most of you never read it, right? And and those who have would never associate that book with joy. But within that book, do you understand that God established these laws for Israel where they were commanded to actually go to the city of Jerusalem so that they could party? And if they didn't party, he got upset with them. He has seven feasts. Three of them they had to go. Because God, our God is a God of celebration. In heaven, you are not going to be, you know, just sitting around and with your harp. It's my turn to play the harp. It's my, it's my year, right, you know? It's an eternal celebration. One of the first things we're going to have is the marriage supper of the Lamb, this big wedding feast. And so we're supposed to start now. Not in a worldly way, but there's supposed to be joy. And so today what we're going to talk about, just briefly, because I want to get to the baptisms. We have a live testimony. I want to talk about why. Why do we celebrate 
baptism, right? I love last week that Lee left us with, with the great parable that many are familiar with, right? Prodigal son. And at the end of the prodigal son, what does the father say? It was fitting to celebrate. This is Jesus now telling this parable. It was, we had to throw a party. Why? Because your brother was dead. And now he is alive. There is a time to mourn, yes, but there's a time to dance, the scripture says. There's a time to cry, there's a time to laugh. Today, for us, as a church, it's a time to celebrate. And I want us to know why. I just want us to know why. Because when we think about baptism, it's kind of a weird deal for those outside the church. It's like, what is this, like a Christian dunking booth or something, right? I don't know. It's a weird deal. I want us to know why. Our family, one of the places we go to eat is jalapenos, right? Because for six people, we can eat for under 60 bucks or 70 bucks, right? And they just tell the kids. You get water and chips and salsa. That's your dinner, right? You did, just, order more, just order more chips and salsa, right? Keep, bring the, do you want more chips? Yes, we do, right? But see, every time we go to jalapenos, almost every time, uh, something happens. And because we know, because we go there, we know. We'll be sitting there eating our chips and salsa. Can I have another water? Yes. And all of a sudden you hear the, the roof, the roof, the roof is on fire. Dun, 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 dun. Right, you know? I don't know the words after that, but I know that part, right? There was another song in the 90s that had that, those lyrics. We won't sing that here in church, okay? But I know what that's about. It's, either, it's one of two things. Number one, someone is trying to get themselves a free dessert. <laughs> or more than likely, it's somebody's birthday. They're bringing out the hat. They're singing the song, right? And, and because we, we know that restaurant, because we've been there, we know what that celebration is about. Some of us have been in the church and we've kind of gone through the motions and done this, but we really don't know what it is we are celebrating. And so I want you to know, what do we celebrate? Because it's not just the, the five or six or however many this service and for, that are celebrating. This is true of everyone who is a follower of Jesus. This is your story. This is your celebration. And so we're going to talk about it so that you know. In Luke 15, the, the, the man who lost his sheep, that everyone knows why he's celebrating because he found his sheep. The woman who lost her coin, everyone knows why she is throwing a party because she found her coin. The father, everyone knows why he killed the fatty calf, because his son was alive. And I want us to know, okay? So we're going to talk briefly what baptism is, and then, and then really, more importantly, why we celebrate. Why do we do baptism? Ultimately, Jesus tells us to. He says, and Jesus said to them, he's talking to his disciples, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. I, I am in charge. So go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them. And the command ultimately there is to make disciples, and we do it in three ways. We go, we baptize, and we teach. Those are the three ways we make disciples. So right off the bat, we understand that baptism, whatever it is, is for disciples. And disciple is a, is a fancy theological word that means follower. The followers of Jesus are the ones who are baptized. All right? Very simply. This is why as a church, we do what's called believer's baptism. That after you put your faith in Jesus, then we baptize you. This is the model you see throughout the scripture. I know when we talk about baptism, we all have traditions. I'm this, I'm that, I'm this, I came from this tradition. What we do is we study the scripture and see what the scripture says. And it's an open-handed issue. Some of you were sprinkled, some of you were poured, some of you don't remember, whatever. But we, we want to get back to what the scripture says. And so the model you see is people believe, and then they're baptized. You see in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 8, Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 10, Acts chapter 16, Acts chapter 19. It's the constant pattern. They believed they were baptized. They believed they were baptized. Right? So that's why we do believer's baptism. 
The word baptize, it's, it's a churchy word. And it's actually, we bring it right over from the Greek. The word in the Greek is baptizo. We just bring that over in English. It just literally means plunge, dip, immerse. Which is why we plunge, dip, and immerse. This is not a Christian hot tub down front, okay? We, we, we put people under the water because that is the word, the meaning of the word. And this is the model you saw in the scripture. So when Jesus is baptized... It says, after he was baptized and the spirit fell on him in the form of a dove, he came up out of the water. So he was in the water. When John the Baptist is baptizing in John chapter 3, it says that he baptized here because there was plenty of water there. Okay? If he was just kind of getting a little water bottle like the sunny, you're good. Right? He could have been anywhere. But he was there because there was water. In Acts chapter 8, when the Ethiopian eunuch is baptized... Philip is in the, in the, they're in the chariot, he's with the eunuch, and they get down into the water. So we get people down into the water. We're just following the model that we have seen in Scripture, okay? So, and you, here's what you need to understand. That water right there, there's nothing magical about it. That it's Savannah City water. It is probably poisonous. <laughs> it's probably high in lead content unfiltered. There is not some secret pipe to Jerusalem, to the Jordan River that lets out back that all churches have. It doesn't come from heaven. It's just normal water. It's not holy water. If I get a vampire wet with that water, it's just a wet vampire. It doesn't do anything. Okay? It's not magic. It, it, being baptized is not what makes you a Christian. You need to understand that. There are some who say, oh, wait, you if you're going to become a Christian, you have to be baptized. If you're not baptized, then you're not, you're not really a Christian. That is not true. And here's why. To say that baptism is, is necessary for part of salvation is to say that what Jesus has done for you is not enough. That, that his, his death on a cross and his resurrection, that's not enough. You got to get him poisonous Savannah City water to make it really stick. See how silly that is? When he's on the cross, he doesn't say, it is finished after you get baptized. He says, it is finished. His work on the cross. Hey, good, very good. Amen, right? See, now you're awake. You got it. So, so we don't have to do anything. You believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and then you are saved. Right? So then why do we do it? Because Jesus told us to. The king of the universe, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. That's what he says. So, and then he says, go, make disciples, baptizing. So we do it because he told us to. And he told us to because what baptism pictures, baptism is a symbol of something. And it is a visible symbol of an invisible grace. God has given us things to remind us. Isn't that good of him? I mean, how forgetful are we? And he wants us to remember certain things. So last week we celebrated one of those reminders in what we call Lord's Table. And it's, it's not just like a reminder like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gives us tangible things to, to touch and to taste. So that we remember, this, this represents the body of Jesus. This represents the blood of Jesus. Hey, good reminders. We need to be reminded. I can, I, if, it's not enough for me to tell my kids right when they're born, all right, I love you. If that changes in the next 18 years before you go to college, I'll tell you. No, no, we need to, I need, need to constantly re remind them, hey, buddy, I love you. Have a great day. Hey, hey honey, I love you. Hey, it's a, how much better does that make us feel to, to know, yes, I love you. Every time you get off the phone, I love you, I love you, I love you. I know that God is powerful. I believe it. 
But when I go outside last Sunday night when it's clear and it's finally getting cool and I'm walking Milton the dog and I look up and I see the stars and I see zillions of them, I'm reminded that God is omniscient. He's all-powerful all because the heavens declare the glories of God, right? Amen. Amen. I got one fan out here. She's right over here. She's my, she's my sister right here. That's it. We need to be reminded. And so what baptism is, it's an outward reminder. It is a symbol of something. It's a symbol of God's invisible grace. It points to what he has done, right? And I use the illustration constantly because it, it's, it's, it's just helpful. Of, it's like a wedding ring. This wedding ring that I wear does not make me married. It is a symbol that I have been married. And I, and I rarely, if ever, take it off because I am proud of the covenant that I made with my bride back in 1998. But what makes, makes me married is I stood before her and before God and said, I will, I do. This is a symbol of that. Your faith is what makes you a Christian. Your baptism is a symbol, and it points to the reality that you are not ashamed of Jesus, just like he wasn't ashamed of you. That's, that's the idea. And it's a reminder, baptism, that, hey, God loves us, that, that God has pursued us, right? It's his invisible grace, right? And so let me give us three things it reminds us of real quick this morning, three things that baptism points to, not just for the people being baptized, but for anybody who is a follower of Jesus. Number one, it celebrates that we are a new creation. How many of you like new stuff? No, like nobody? You guys are holy? You don't like new stuff? I, I got, Ron Hurst loves new stuff. Thank you, Ron. Right, anybody get the new iPhone? New iPhone this week? Right, there we go. One new iPhone right here, right? Who doesn't like getting that new, new iPhone? You pull that little screen thing off and it's so new and there's static electricity. The new box, the new earphones, new car, the new car smell, right? You drive it, it's clean for like a day, right? New house. When we moved down to Savannah, we got to the first time ever, we had been in several houses, but this is the first house that had never been lived in. New floors, new carpet, new walls, new paint. What's the problem with new stuff? New houses. Kids. <laughs> Dogs. Carpet's dirty in like one day. Walls scuffed when you move the furniture in. Right? The problem with new stuff is it gets old. Except when Jesus makes things new, y'all, it doesn't get old. It doesn't get worn out. That is the beauty. That is what we are celebrating. It doesn't matter where you've been, what you've done, your past, your brokenness, you spent your entire college years trying to build your testimony, whatever. Jesus makes things new. And when Jesus makes things new, they stay new, y'all. And so he says to the Corinthian church, and we've looked at this passage a lot in the last couple of weeks, but they were a broken group of people. He says, you were, you were, such were some of you, and he's talking about their immorality and their deceit and their anger and all these things. He said, such were some of you, past tense, but you were past tense washed. You were past tense sanctified. You were past tense justified in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's what Jesus does. He makes new, right? You were dead. Ephesians says this, you were dead in your trespasses and your sins. You were following the course of this world. You were following the prince of the power of the air. You know who that is? That's team Satan. You were on team Satan. You were on Alabama. All right? For some of you, right? Don't worry, y'all have y'all chance in a couple weeks, all right? You were on team Satan, right? You were, you were living in the passions of your flesh. But go on down to verse 4. But God, 
being rich in mercy. Rich. You lo- don't you love that life? Rich in mercy. Because of the great love with which he loved us. When you were dead in your trespasses, he made you alive. By grace you have been saved. And he raised us up. He makes things new. Because of Jesus, it doesn't matter what you've done. You, re- you remember this. You think, well, I know, I, 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 I know that. But what about you know, what I did this past week? Or what about what I'm going to do? All your sin was future when Jesus died. When Christ died for your sin, he died for everything you've ever done. He died for everything you're doing right now, and he died for everything that you will do. You need to understand that. The blood of Christ covers all that. You can be washed. You are washed. And so why is it that Christians, this is what I don't understand. Why is it that Christians walk around so, uh, woe is me, I'm not worthy. Yeah, no kidding. We know that. That's why you're here. No one was worthy. Stop being so grumpy. Stop being so down. Did Christ die for you or not? Did he give his life for you or not? Did he wash you or not? If he washed you, then you are clean. You are new. That is what we celebrate in the waters of baptism. That when these people go down in the water and come out, you need to understand it's not that God is in love with some future version of him down there and once they get there, act cleaned up. No, while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for us. Right? That's what we're celebrating. So you don't, I know some people think, and this is the South, I get it, you got to clean yourself up and come to church. Not this church. This is the church for broken people. I was, as I shared at a funeral on Friday, I, I told the people that were there, I said, you got to understand that heaven is filled with a bunch of sinners except for Jesus, who have been forgiven and washed by Jesus. Heaven is for sinners, and we have been given his righteousness. That is what we celebrate. If you can't celebrate that, then you can't celebrate. You have been made a new creation. Romans, it says this, there is therefore now no condemnation. My favorite word in that verse is now. It's not, there is now, there, there is therefore in the future. No, no. Where are you at right now? So some of you need to raise your heads. We sang it earlier. Lift your heads. Look and see our God and celebrate, right? That's, that's the message of this church, that we gather on a Sunday because we have a risen Savior, right? You, if you are in Christ, okay, I'm going to channel my inner Lee from last week. If any man is in new Christ, he is a? You did better in first service, but that's still pretty so- weak, weak sauce. If any man is in Christ, he is a? New. New, new Right? That's what we celebrate in the waters of baptism. One thing. Here's another thing. We celebrate a new identity. A new identity. Some of you this past week tried to change your identity. You went and bought a little ticket for $2. You promised God you would tithe off of it and give all it to charity. And then you would go from driving a Hyundai to a Lambo in one week. Right? You don't... I guarantee that there was many a ticket bought in this room. I, don't you lie, church. Okay? I ain't gonna lie. I bought one. I ain't gonna lie. I still work. I just work for free, Lord. What? Why? Because you wanted to change your future. You wanted to change your identity. You wanted to change your now. What you need to understand is if you are in Christ, he has given you a new identity. He's done that for you. And it's better than winning the $1.6 billion because now you have the riches of Christ, which are eternal. Because the grass withers and the flower falls off, 
I read today, this morning, I don't know if you guys saw this, there was a helicopter crash in Europe, in England, a guy that owns Leicester City soccer team. I know you aren't soccer fans of this church, and I praise you for that. But um, <laughs> fifth richest man in Europe, fifth richest man in Europe, billionaire, died today in a helicopter crash. And I thought, I, I don't know the guy, I pray that he was a believer. But I think about the, the parable Jesus said that said, you fool, your, your soul is required of you today. You build the big barns. You can't take it with you. But you can take the riches of Christ with you, which is worth more than $1.6 billion. It's eternal riches. And so what happens in Christ, when you are in Christ, he says, do not, you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ, and that's spirit baptism. That's what happens when you put your faith. It's a, it's a spiritual truth. When that happens, you are baptized into Christ. And this phrase, in Christ, in him, in the Lord, it's used 160 plus times in the New Testament. It's huge. Our new identity in Christ is huge in the Bible. And so when you were united with Christ, you were baptized into his death, and then you were, you were buried with him, and then you were, you're going to resurrect with him. This is why we do, again, why we do immersion. So we're going to put people down in the water. And what's going to, we're not going to hold them there. We had a husband baptize his wife early, two of them, first service, two husbands baptized their wife. They didn't hold them very long. It was quick. But they, they put him down. And then why? Because Jesus came out of the ground, they brought him up. And that's what it pictures. You have been united with Christ in, in his burial. Your sin is in the ground. It's in the grave. Jesus paid for it. And now you are brought out of the grave. And one day, just like Jesus was resurrected, you will be resurrected. Why? Because you're united with Christ. And what can separate us from the love of God in Christ? Can anything? No. So if you are in Christ, you have a new identity, and everything that is true of Jesus is true of you. You have his righteousness. You have his identity. You are a child of God. A son and a daughter of God. You've been adopted. You've been grafted. My, my complete identity has been changed because of my faith in Christ. Right? That's, that's, that's what we celebrate. And so you will one day, death, where is your sting? That's what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 15. All right, because Christ comes out of the grave, I will come out of the grave. And we're all headed there. It's just a matter of when. But you, if you're in Christ, new creation. New identity. Right? I was far, now I've been brought near. I was an enemy, an object of wrath, now I'm an object of love. I had no future, now I have a future, a new identity. That's what Jesus has done. That's what he has done for you. And as we celebrate baptism, that will picture that very thing. Dead in Christ, raised to walk in newness of life, Romans 6.4. Right? So a new creation... A new identity, two things. One more thing. A new obedience. We celebrate a new obedience. Right? These people, because Jesus said go and be baptized, are very simply obeying the Lord Jesus. He said it. They're following. That, y'all, we don't celebrate that enough. We don't celebrate people stepping out of faith. It is not easy. We had a, a young guy, a military guy, share his testimony first service. He's shaking. Right? He's a very introverted guy. He said, I, I, I'm very introverted. He came to faith a couple years. His wife brought him to church. He's been coming here for about two years, understood the gospel. He, he got in front of everybody, and first service was like standing room only. And he shared his simple testimony. Why? Because he's just obeying Christ. Hey, he's taking that step of faith. And man, it was awesome to see. And th these folks that are coming, they're get, some of them are introverted. It's, I'm used to y'all. It's easy for me. It's very difficult for someone to come down front, to put on an all-in t-shirt, and 
and, and get in front of y'all. But they're doing it. Why? Because they, they're not ashamed of Christ. We should celebrate that. God celebrates it. He says we, it was fitting. We had to celebrate. When my kids do things that are good, when I'm like, oh, when, you know, whether it's they, they clean their room on their own or, or we told them to do something, they did it. Man, it, it, makes, it brings joy to me when my kid says, oh, the, all these people are cheating in class, but I didn't cheat. I, I got to see, but I didn't cheat. That brings actually joy. How much more to God the Father when his children say, I'm not ashamed of you just like you weren't ashamed of me. It's big. And we ought, we ought to be excited for these folks that have come. Uh, we ought to celebrate it. And, and I and I'd invite some of you. Some of you have never kind of taken that step towards baptism. Um, it doesn't save you, I get it, but it is a step of obedience. I got baptized when I was like 12 years old, was not a Christian. Did it because I think there was pressure at home or, you know, whatever. But I wasn't a follower of Christ. And then again, after I was married, and actually me and my wife both were rebaptized right before our first child was born. Uh, we were, it was, I was 26 years old. And we went down into the water up in Port Royal and Actually, technically, that was infant baptism, too, because she was, you know, eight months pregnant. So we had three of us. <laughs> but we went down in the water and got rebaptized. Why? Because we realized that both of us were not saved when we had first been baptized. And, and some of you, you know, maybe that's your story. And you say, well, is there, you know, I've already been baptized, even though it was before my conversion. I would say there's precedence in the scripture for you to actually get rebaptized. And I don't have time to unpack it, but go read Acts chapter 19, verses like 1 through 10, where Paul shows up in Ephesus and there's 12 guys, and they had been baptized by John the Baptist. If you're going to get baptized by someone, that's a pretty good guy, right? I mean, that one counts. That one sticks. His last name is the Baptist, okay? <laughs> so that's a pretty important, right? So, so, but what Paul says is, hey, when you guys were baptized, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And they're like, no, we don't even know what that means. And so, and what had happened is they had lived in Israel before Jesus had died, but you know, after that, that period after John the Baptist had started ministry. So that all they had was John's kind of story, and he explains to them the gospel. What do they do? They believe in Christ, and then they get rebaptized. Right? It's, it's, if anyone should have counted, it's John the Baptist's. But what they do, they put their baptism after their conversion, because that's the model you see in Scripture. So if you're like, eh, I don't know. Hey, you got great guys. You got partners, 12 of them. You can read about them in Acts 19. Go ahead and do that. Um, and, and that's what we did. So... I'd invite you to do that. We're going to have another baptism on, I think it's Palm Sunday. A great time to get baptized, Palm Sunday. That's coming up in April. So, hey, go online, put on a connect card. Hey, I want to get baptized at the next one. We'd love to do that. But we're going to celebrate those today who have come. But not just those, if that's your story. And if it's not your story, maybe you're here and you're not a Christian. It can be your story. You say, I don't know. You don't know what I've done. I know what Jesus did. That's all I need to know. He, he's enough. And if you're here and you don't know him, he, he's, he's the reason you're here, because he loves you, and he wants to forgive you of your sin. You say, you don't know how big my sin is. Is it worse than David? He killed his buddy and took his wife. Is it worse than Peter? He denied that he even knew Jesus to his face. Is it worse than Abraham? He, he, he lied and almost got his wife sold out. You, you can't find a sin in the New Testament or the Old Testament that's not forgivable by God. And so I'd invite you this morning to put your faith in Jesus. He wants... He loves you and he wants to forgive you. If you have questions about that, we'd love to grab and talk, talk to you. Fill out a connect card. Come talk to one of the prayer team in the hallway. But we're going to celebrate a new identity, new creation, and new obedience this morning.
So let's pray, and then why don't you guys stand, and we'll sing a couple songs, and then we'll watch some of these testimonies by video, and then we'll also um, hear from one or two of them as well. Let me pray. Father, I just pray as we sing, we celebrate what Christ has done. I pray for, for the church to be encouraged, that we, someone here this morning needs to be reminded that you love them. Someone needs to remember that their shame and their guilt was nailed to the cross of Jesus. Someone needs to know that. Someone needs to smile instead of frown. Someone needs to be joyful instead of sad. And so just remind them of hope. Remind them of what Christ has done and what he will do. Um, and just bless your church, Lord. You want us to be a joyful people. So help us to be joyful. Help us to love people um, and to welcome them in because you welcomed us in. We pray these things in the name of Christ, our Savior.